15, verse 32. uh, Sorry, from verse 16. Mark chapter 15, from verse 16. While you're finding that passage, if you haven't got a Bible, it will be on the screen. We are at the end of the meeting. We're going to be uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're going to be uh, taking bread and wine together. Uh, This is part of what we do as a a family, uh, as believers, as Jesus taught us to. And the children are going to come back in for that. So the threes to elevens are going to come back in for that. And they're going to be over in that far corner. You still need to collect them with your tickets. Um, But please do go and collect your child when they come back in. And um, please take responsibility for them. If you want them to break bread with you, we want you to take responsibility for that. If you, you know they love Jesus, you know that's a good thing for them to do, then please, please you let them take bread and wine with you. Okay, Mark chapter 15 from uh, verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they mocked him, they took off the purple robe and they put on his own clothes. They put his own clothes on him, sorry. And they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing on it by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right hand and one on his left. Those who passed by held insult, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross, save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who crucified, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. You'll know we've been working through the book of Mark and we are almost at the end. And we've come to this passage this morning. So one of the big themes of Mark really is this, this whole theme of Jesus bringing in the kingdom of God. He is the king, and through him, he is bringing a people out of the old order of sin and death and into this new kingdom. And so I've been thinking a little bit about kings and kingdoms 
And uh, apologies for anyone who's been on the joining course and may have seen this before, but I've just been looking at a few kings just to get us into what we're thinking about here. So, Dan, can we have the first picture? Um, okay, we'll, we'll play. Who, who are the kings? <laughs> okay, yep. That's not too hard, is it? Henry VIII, uh, 16th century, uh, I think, uh, British king, English king. Okay, next one. That wasn't too hard. Okay, a little harder. Anyone? But, but not Paul. Not Paul. Sorry, sorry about that. Anyone else? Who's that? Tedros. Yes. This is uh, uh, Tedros II, uh, Emperor of Ethiopia um, in the uh, 1800s, I think. Uh, okay, next one. Okay. Reza Shah, yes, yes, king of Iran, um, up until about uh, the 1940s. Okay, we're doing well here. Okay, next one. King George VI, yes, king from 1936 to 1952 of Britain. Okay, the next one. Okay. Yeah. Elvis, not a real king, maybe, but there we go. Next one. Oh, and King Kong there, okay, okay. And the next one. Oh, okay, yeah. Jesus. Jesus, see, see the, Jesus wasn't really the, the king that the, the religious leaders were expecting. See, he was not there to overthrow the Romans as they were expecting and set up a, a kingdom as we might know it. See, the enemy of, of this kingdom wasn't the Romans. Actually, it was supernatural opposition. See, the way this kingdom changes people was totally different. This wasn't a set of behaviors for you to stick to and abide by, but actually a change within. His kingdom brought a change from within. See, the king of this kingdom would be very different to what they were expecting. And I want us this morning to look at what we learn from this passage about Jesus' kingship and what that means to you and I. We're going to look at the king is rejected, the king is crucified, and the king saves. So Mark records this, this kind of mock coronation of Jesus. The battalion of this group of of Roman soldiers is all gathered together. They all get together. Uh, People who study this say that's probably about 600 men or so. And they put Jesus in a purple cloak. See, purple was a royal color. They're mocking him. They make a crown for him. They get uh, twigs from a thorn bush. They twist them around to make a mock crown and put it on his head. They begin to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. Look at this. This is the king of the Jews, isn't it? They kneel down. 
See, these men, these Roman soldiers, would be really, really used to pledging their allegiance to Caesar. They would do it on a regular basis. And now, here they are, mocking Jesus. They beat him over the head. They spit at him. See, it's another reminder that Jesus has been abandoned. He's been abandoned by the huge crowds, by his disciples, even by Peter, who said, everyone else will, but I won't. Do you know, this is what our world still does with Jesus. There is little different today. There's no desire to receive Jesus as king. I don't, I don't, I'm not meaning literally as in who runs the, the country, as in, the, you know, we've got the royal family. I'm not meaning who runs a particular country, but rather the person, the thing, we put on the throne of our lives. See, it's as if, it's as if our hearts look for something to pledge its allegiance to. Something to have at the centre. Something to have on the throne in here. And, you know, as humans, we have made other kings. We've made other things king. Success. Stuff. Money. Our own comfort. Getting our own way. Jesus is there to be mocked. He's there to be ridiculed. He's not a serious king. Do you know, there is always a battle for other people, other things, to be put on the throne of your life, of my life. See, the kingdom is a big theme within the book of Mark, like I've said. But actually, it's also, it's also a big theme of the Bible, this whole theme of kingdom and slavery. In the Old Testament, for instance, we see the people of Israel regularly rejecting God as their king, regularly turning to idols, making idols, giving themselves to idols, which actually really what happens is they just become a slave to these things. And there's a point where they say, actually, no, what we need is a king. That's what we need. And so they go to the, uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, Samuel. They say, actually, what we need is a king. Give us a king. And he says, no, no, God's our king. You, you don't need a king. And they say, no, no, we want a king. And so they get a king. And, you know, there's years of kings, good kings, bad kings. But actually, all of them, every one of them, just points to the fact that Actually, no human king will do. There needs to be a greater king. Every human king will ultimately fail them. Listen, what is it that you are tempted to put on the throne of your life? Because whatever it is, it'll let you down. Or even worse, you'll become a slave to it. Do you know, if you put having your own way on the throne of your life, 
Do you know, it will become the driving force of everything else. So, for instance, you'll find community hard to do. You'll find commu- living in community hard to commit to because actually you find that you have to mix having things your own way with other people and their desires and their needs and their wants. It has to fit in with other people. Well, if you put money on the throne, you'll never be satisfied. <laughs> you'll always want more. It'll always drive you to more. The famous uh, American oil millionaire, John D. Rockefeller, was once asked, how much? You know, this man had money at the time more than we could imagine. And he was asked, how much is enough money? And his reply was, just a little more. It can't satisfy. So the king's rejected. And eventually the king is crucified. See, people who were crucified were flogged beforehand. And they had to carry the crossbeam to the place where they were being crucified. So the, the kind of bit that their arms went on, they had to carry that crossbeam to their crucifixion. And it seems that Jesus couldn't manage it. We're not told why. Perhaps it was from the flogging before. Perhaps it was from the sleepless night that it just had. And another guy, Simon from Cyrene. Cyrene's in North Africa. He was forced by the Romans to carry the crossbeam for Jesus. We'll come back to Simon a little bit later on. But, you know, I, I love the fact, just, this is just a little aside. I really love the fact that it says that Simon is the father of Alexander and Rufus. You know, we could, we're not told why Mark tells us this. But some of, the, some of the people who kind of studied this passage say that, do you know, it's, it's not too far to suggest that Alexander and Rufus may have been part of the early church. Possibly. Maybe not, but maybe. Or it might have been people that whoever was reading, who, the first readers of this gospel, they would have known who they are, who Alexander and Rufus are. It's a bit like us saying, well, well you know, Rufus... Well, if you don't know, uh, sorry, if you know, uh, if you know Wilf, I'm trying to think of someone who's not here. There's no Wilfs here, are there? No, okay. (laughs) Or Rufus, no, that's true. (laughs) Well, you know Wilfred, Uh, if you, well, you don't, but you don't know, but you know, you know Alexander and Rufus, don't you? They're, they're part of us, you know them, don't you? Now, that's what I love about the Bible. This is Mark a real person writing about a real account to real people. But at the same time, it's the actual word of God to you and I. It's amazing. Anyway, that's an aside. You know, Mark Mark doesn't go into all the gruesome details of crucifixion. And it was. It was really gruesome. It was really horrific. In fact, it was so horrific that Roman citizens weren't, they, they wouldn't do it to Roman citizens. They thought it was just it was too barbaric, too, too horrific. Well, 
But all Mark says is, in verse 24, and they crucified him. And he's offered wine mixed, it says, with, with myrrh, which he refuses. It's kind of, like, kind of like an ancient anesthetic to help him cope with the pain that it would almost numb it to some degree. See, crucifixion was so gruesome. We have an English word that kind of is linked to it. We have, we have the English word excruciating, don't we? Which we use to describe an intense pain. The pain was excruciating. It, it literally means from the cross. And do you know, I'm, I'm aware as I read this passage that some of you may have grown up in, um, in an Islamic setting that would have taught that Jesus was not crucified. God, that, it's too barbaric. God's prophet would never be put to death like that. And that's an injustice. Maybe you were taught that it was Judas or maybe even Simon of Cyrene who was crucified instead. But do you know that's not the biblical account? In fact, Jesus' death has become the very center point of Christianity. It is the symbol most identified with Christianity, a cross. I love what uh, John Stott says about uh, this point. He says that John Stott was a a famous Bible teacher uh, last century, and uh, he says, you know, there could have been loads of things that could have symbolized Christianity. You could have had a manger. We've just had Christmas, haven't we? You could have had a manger to, to, to signify his amazing birth and God coming to man. You could have had a boat to symbolize uh, Jesus' teaching. You know, he would often step onto a boat to teach the people. You may have had uh, a towel similar to the one that Jesus wrapped around his middle when he washed his disciples' feet to symbolize this serving king. You may have had a stone to uh, symbolize the, the stone that was rolled away from his tomb at his resurrection, proclaiming his resurrection. But no, it was the cross. It was the cross that was chosen. See, a cross where an innocent man is put to death. More than that, a king that is being put to death. See, I've got friends who would happily point to Jesus' wonderful teaching. They'd happily point to what a great example Jesus is to mankind. But do you know, they would think nothing of his death. See, when you start talking about his death being in place of ours, you know, we have to consider that our life is not innocent. We have to consider that things like our greed, sexual immorality, our pride, they deserve punishment. We don't like hearing that. But you take away the cross and the message of Christianity is powerless. This is what one Corinth. This is what Paul said in uh, one Corinthians one, from verse twenty-two. He said, "Jews demand signs, Greeks see, seek wisdom, but we preach Christ 
crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, Jubilee, we really don't have another message to take out to people. There is an answer to the mess of our world. There's an answer to your work colleagues, to the people you are at school with, to the people in your family that don't know Jesus. And it's the message of the God of the universe being put to death on a hill 2,000 years ago. See, I'm sorry, I haven't learnt your name yet. Ralph's wife, the, the, the thing about the wall. Man, uh, sorry, what was that? It's really rude, isn't it, to say Ralph's wife? Leslie, Leslie. You know, that, that wall, without the cross, that wall's not dealt with. Without the cross, that wall remains. But because of the cross, we can call out, and he hears. And he responds. See, the danger is we start thinking it's something else. The danger is we start thinking it's about the music. Do you know, if we just get the music right, that's what people need to hear. Or the danger is we think it's about the welcome. If everyone feels really welcomed, that'll be right. Or or we think it's about the promotional material. People will see Jesus if we get the promotional material right. No, no. It's the cross, which is the power and wisdom of God, says Paul. Okay, let's go back to Simon of Cyrene for a minute. I said we'd go back to him. Do you know, you cannot help but see his carrying of Jesus' cross in the light of what Jesus said earlier on in Mark in chapter 8. And we studied these a fair few months ago now, but we did. And Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. In other words, if you want me to be king of your life, says Jesus, it will look very different. It's not simply a few church meetings here and there during the week. No, no, this is a whole of life thing I'm talking about. See, following someone has really lost its meaning, certainly in uh, my culture and what I do, um, because, you know, we can follow people on social media without any real uh, um, connection or any real reason. Oh, I'm following so-and-so footballer. Well, I follow this pop star because I just want to see what they're up to and whatever. No, 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 no. Following is very different in this passage. See, there'll be times. There'll be times when you think, do you know, this is what I want to do. But this is what Jesus would have me do. And I'm going to choose to respond his way. All my other friends are sleeping with their girlfriend. All my other friends are sleeping with their boyfriend. But you know, I'm going to choose to do what Jesus' way is. Do you know, I'm going to put myself out, reach out to that person who's struggling 
to that person who's lonely. It may put me out in some way, but I'm going to do it because I'm following him. I'm going to act in a godly way in my workplace, even though I might risk losing that promotion. But I'm called to follow Jesus. It's a call to follow him. It's a call to put him first. But also, this is the promise, it is the call to true life. It is the call to true fulfillment. Anything else will ultimately let you down. But do you know, all of that is worthless without my third and final point. It's all worthless. Because actually the whole, we're going to get on to the whole reason for Jesus' death. See, see for many, a king being crucified was grotesque. It was a horrible thing. But actually we see in Christ and Jesus being crucified that it was the climax of his kingship. It was the climax of his kingship. Here is Jesus hung on a cross saying, a sign above him saying, King of the Jews, religious leaders shouting at him. Do you know, he saved others, but he can't even save himself. Look, come down if you're the true king. Show us a sign. That'll be a sign to us. Then we'll believe. Do you know, Jesus could have come down at any point. But the fact that he stayed on the cross shows that he is the true king. See, his death means he's able to be the saving king. You see, emperors, kings, they were known for taking things. They take from the people. That's what happens. They take, they build big palaces. They further their empires. That's what kings did. Even, even as you look in the Bible, even good kings had to do this. To some degree. But do you know, look, here's a king that gives. Here's a king that gives his life. Do you know, if he's going to be the one who can save others, he cannot save himself at this point. See, as I said earlier, anything else you choose to put on the throne of your life will ultimately enslave you. But Jesus is the true king who brings freedom when we put him at the center of our lives. Salvation costs us nothing because it cost him everything. And in his death, he was dealing with the punishment we deserved. He was dealing with our rejection of God and bringing us back to God. See, what should our response be in all of this? It should be this, thankfulness and worship. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. You know, if you have chosen to receive that, you are acceptable to God forever. You know his favor 
forever. You are forever loved, as Bella brought that word after the worship. Simple, simple words. God loves me. He's for me. Forever. Because of the cross. Listen, don't try to spend your life adding to the thing that he has done. But I could just do this. Uh, just, just in case, I better really make sure I love God uh, and then I'll be acceptable. I better make sure I, I keep doing the right thing else. He might, he might change his mind. Listen, if you haven't chosen to receive him, you can do that this morning. Come and speak to one of us. Come and speak to whoever you've come with. Uh, come and speak to someone you know and trust. And we can tell you how you can do that. And do you know, it's out of that thankfulness, it's out of that gratefulness, it's out of that worship that we are enabled to take up our cross and follow him. And that totally transforms what that looks like. It's not out of compulsion like Simon of Serene, but rather it's out of love. It's out of a joyful response to him and all he has done. It's not from fear, trying to earn God's love. It's not, I'm one mistake away from him turning his back on me. No, no, no. It's out of a place of acceptance, out of a place of security, out of a place of love that we're enabled to follow him. We're enabled to choose his way. We're enabled to walk with him. It's so important we get that right. So, so important we don't get it round the wrong way. I'll follow him to earn his acceptance. I'll follow him to make sure I'm okay with him. I'll follow him to, um, to uh, uh, earn and deserve my salvation. No, no, it's given freely. It cost him everything, but it's given freely to you and I. And out of that, we can respond in worship, choosing to follow him, choosing to to go his way, choosing to live a life with him. We're going to respond this morning uh, in a few ways. First, I'd like us to respond in worship before we break bread together. If the band could come up, um, we're going to be spending some time just responding to this true king, this crucified king, this king who saves This king who death could not hold, but has risen today. And uh, as we worship, out of that we're going to be breaking bread together. And I want to bring some more just direction to that as we do that. But we're going to stand and worship first of all. So why don't we stand? And I want to pray for us.